Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. How are we all doing? Okay, I'm going to ask two groups. Um, students who just had this weekend, how are you all doing? Uh, adults, the rest of us, how are you all doing? Cool, cool. Hey, we're going to get into scripture here really quick. Um, but before we do a few things, um, we haven't met. My name's Jerron. Um, from Joplin, Missouri. Um, got my wife and my little five minute, five and a half month, uh, old baby boy Theo here with me. Um, uh, pastor church in Joplin. I'm on faculty at a Bible college in town, been here all weekend. Um, one of the biggest things that have stood out to us is the hospitality of this church. So for my family to you all, thank you. Um, a few quick things I want to appreciate from people. If you were an adult leader this weekend, could you wave your hand at me? Could we appreciate this crew? Um, now this one, this one is more of a gamble cause I don't know how many of them are in here, but if you're on staff or an elder at the church, could you wave your hand at me really quick? Hey, thank you all for what you do. Servants of the house, um, us, the church, we are not who we are without you all. So thank you all. Um, let's go to John chapter 15, John chapter 15. I'm going to read verses nine to 17 for you. John 15, nine to 17. Um, do me a favor, once you're there, let's stand together to honor the reading of the word. Um, that's the first favor I'm going to ask of you. The second favor I'm going to ask of you, um, I don't know if you know or not, or if you've been able to tell or not, but I'm black. Um, and I grew up in churches where everybody looked like me, and in churches where people look like me, when the preacher talks, y'all talk back. Uh, it's called a hollaback church. Um, so there's going to be a few times where I'm going to have you shout something, and that means you, like, shout it. But then there are a few times where we can make this thing spontaneous. If I say something that's good, you say amen, you say yes, you say that's good, you say preach. If you do it, I talk faster, which means you'll go home earlier. Uh, even, even, somebody said it back there. Even there are some of you, you came to church, uh, uh, and this is your time to be passive aggressive. If I say something and you think it'll fix who you came with, just nudge them and say, that one was for you. Ask them to repeat it. So, John chapter 9, starting in, or sorry, John chapter 15, starting in verse 9. This is Jesus talking. Um, this is during the, um, uh, this is probably Thursday, right before he was about to be killed. He spends, uh, the evening with the 12. Um, preparing 11 of them, Judas, we know what would happen to them, but preparing 11 of them for life and ministry after his ascension. So John chapter 15, starting in verse nine, it says this, just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you abide in my love. (laughs) If you keep my commandments, you will also abide in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. This is my commandment that you love, shout love, Love. one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves for the slave doesn't know what his master's doing, but I've called you friends. For all things that (laughs) I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain 
so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Father, thank you for your word. Open our eyes. We want to behold wonderful things from your law. We want to know Jesus more today. We want to see him more clearly. We want to believe him more deeply. Uh, Together, we want to look like him more. So to that end, we say your kingdom come. We're open. Amen. You can go and have a seat. Um, I'm going to have you make good on your word. Tap someone next to him and say, neighbor, I want more. Tap someone else to the next to you. Tell them, neighbor, I want more. Uh, just tap yourself and say, self, I want more. To, today, we're going to talk about getting more. Most of you, you've probably had the dual experience of trying to fill a cup. You walk into whatever your favorite restaurant is, Whataburger, Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, Taco Bell, whatever it might be. You walk into the restaurant and you put your cup under a soda dispenser and that cup immediately gets full and it's really exciting and it's really fast and it's really bubbly. But within seconds, you realize that your cup wasn't actually full because the fizz faded out. The excitement went away and you realized I'm not as full as I thought I was. But some of you, you've had the other experience of you take your cup and you put it under a a water dispenser and that water fills it up to the brim. Today, I want to help us get our cups full. I want to help us get fulfilled. I want to help us get more. Because there might be a lot of you who would say, if I could look back on my life, I'd describe it as I'm a soda cup kind of person who's gone and done soda cup kind of things with soda cup kind of people. And it was exciting. It was a fun night. It was a fun moment. It was a fun few days. And I thought I was full, but then I went home and it wore off and I realized I'm still on empty. Hence, that's why some of you, you can't stay in a relationship because you've put the pressure on the person next to you to satisfy your deepest needs, and they cannot survive under that kind of weight. Hence, some of you adults, you've switched from job to job thinking that this job will be the one that satisfies me, and it hasn't. Or you've switched from church to church thinking this will finally be the church that checks off my list and makes me feel happy, but it hasn't worked. Or some of you, you've actually been fooled. You've you've received the living water that is Jesus and you felt satisfaction, but you say, I want more. You've got a little bit of a holy dissatisfaction. You've got a little bit of a of a sanctified angst where you say this was good. I want some more. How do I get that? Students, after we have a good weekend like this, or maybe even go to camp in the summer or go to CIY where we've experienced God, how do we get more of the God that we have? Some of you senior saints have been with Jesus for a long time. You have not hit the cap. How do you get more of God? A.W. Tozer, he says that none of us have hit the cap on how much God will give himself to us. He says, no, further, he says, push it further. God will give as much of God to you as you want. So the question is, how do I get more? Shout more. If, 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 if that's a question you're asking, you've come to the right place because Jesus, he gives us two directives towards more in this text. He gives us two directives towards more in this text. The first one is for more love and joy. The first one is to more love and joy. Starting in verse nine, look at what Jesus says. Jesus says, just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. I want to put a pause right there and look at that. Listen, listen to what Jesus says. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Grammatically, look at what Jesus says. I have loved you. 
I have loved you. That's past tense. I have been loving you. The love of God in your life is a past fact. It's already been happening. But check this. It's even better than that. Jesus says, as the father has loved me, I have loved you. This isn't any love that Jesus is pouring out on you. This is the same love that he's received from his father. Which means the question that we have to ask is, how did the father love Jesus? Um, Bible college in the Greek, this is a uh, past perfect, which means the love of God for the son of God. It's been, it's been complete. It's been eternal. It's never not been happening. It's, it's, it's full, which means there's no kind of love that the father's holding back from his son and there's no breaks. It's unending. Jesus says that unending, that unceasing, that, that total love that I receive from my father is the same love I'm pouring out on you. Jesus, he's, 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 he's like the funnel of the love of God pouring out on you. He's the vessel by which the love of God is poured out on you. He's the delivery system by which the love of God comes to you. Listen, the love of God is a past fact. It's been happening in your life. There are some of you, you've been in relationships where the sensed love that you've received from somebody has been contingent and dependent upon your performance. I felt like my dad loved me growing up when I was performing and making him proud. I felt like my mother loved me growing up when I was being a good little boy. I, I, I've been in romantic relationships where I felt that they loved me when I was pleasing them. And if we're not careful, we will take the flaky love that we've received from people and we will project that onto God. Listen to me as the father has loved Jesus. So you are being loved right now. That is not a flaky love. It is not an inconsistent love. It is not a love that's dependent on your performance or your feelings. It's a complete past fact. God has been, is, and will only ever love you. Now, there are some of you right now who say, Jerron, I don't know if God's real. I don't know if I want God to be real because, quite frankly, I want to go get in some mess and I can't do all that I want to do thinking he's alive. I came to church. I didn't even want to pray. I didn't even want to worship Good news, ding, 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 you still get loved too. This is a fact that doesn't care about your feelings as the father has loved Jesus, so he loves you. But then look at what Jesus goes on to say. Jesus says, as the father has loved me, I have loved you. He says, abide, shout abide. Abide in my love. It's this Greek word that means remain, continue, stay in it. Keep experiencing the love, experience more of my love that I've been pouring out on you. How Jesus, he says this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide. You will go deeper into my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, uh, you do the same thing. Okay, Jesus, what are your commandments? How do we abide in your love? Here's verse 12, that you love one another just as I have loved you. So here's what Jesus says. The love of God is a past fact in your life. You can remain in this love, continue to receive more of this love, have a greater experience of the love of God as you go and love other people. As you love, you will know more of God's love. It's like, let's do a little object lesson. Um, Hold your hand out and ball it up in a fist. Your hand that's closed off from giving love to other people is also closed off from receiving love from God. But open that, open that hand up as if you're extending something to someone. Your hand being open to extend love to another person is perfectly positioned to receive love from God. 
as you love, you will experience and receive more of God's love. Um, I went and preached at a college age conference, probably in about 2016, 17. I can't remember. I think I was still in college at the time. And um, I'm on my way driving up to St. Louis. And one of the organizers of the event calls me and says, hey, just want you to know you got upgraded to club level. And I'm from Southwest Oklahoma. We don't do that kind of stuff. So I thought, Lord, what thou mean it's this. And then they start to explain what club level is. They said, you get a bigger room and you, uh, it's a bigger bed and you get some more perks. So I thought, boy, I must be pretty important, ain't I? So I get to the hotel. I check in. They give me my club level card to my club level room. They tell me I'm on the top floor. So I get on the elevator to go up the club level to the club level floor. And we're passing all the peasant floors. We're passing 410. And, and I'm on the other side of the elevator because I don't want the peasants to rub off on me. And I'm thinking this has to be what Queen Elizabeth felt like. Rest her soul. So I finally get to my room and I lay back on my club level bed and I enjoy some club level snacks in my club level room. Then I heard fun happening down the hallway, fun that I, I wasn't a part of. And so once again, I asked, Lord, what thou mean it's this? And he said, Jerron, go down the hallway. So I walk down the hallway and I see this uh, big glass door that says club lounge. And I thought, well, I want some of that. I look inside of the club lounge and I see some of the other speakers who are friends of mine in there. I see some of the band who are friends of mine in there and they've got music playing and they're having a good time and it's club level fun. So I'm thinking, hey, ain't no party like a club level party because a club level party don't stop. And I go to the door to try to open it and it's locked. And so I'm sitting outside looking at them and I finally bang on the door and they're like, hey, Jerron, what's up? And I was like, Haha, let me in. And they keep having fun, like more fun. Now that they see me outside of the door and finally I'm like, let me in. And my friend says, use your key. Turns out that the club level key that they had given me was enough to get into the club lounge. And I used my key to get into the club lounge. Listen to me. Some of you feel as if you're on the outside looking in when it comes to certain experiences and knowledge of God's love. You think that knowing God's love deeply is for the super Christian or knowing God love deeply is for the mother Teresa's and the, and the brother Lawrence's of the world and the pastors of the world. And you think that's not an experience for me. Listen, God has given you a key. He says, the minute you start loving somebody else, that is your key into a deeper experience of my love. But check verse 11. Look what Jesus says in verse 11. Look what Jesus says in verse 11. He says, these things I've spoken to you, all of that, I've just told you that so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be filled. As you love somebody else and get a deeper experience of God's love, he says, joy will start bubbling up in your heart. When I went into that club lounge, I ate all the food they had in there. Wasn't a Chex Mix left after I left that room. I got full of snacks while I was in there. Jesus is saying, when you go into a deeper experience of God's love, you get full of joy. Let's play a game. Two truth or two lies and a truth. Here's lie number one. Lie number one, you will experience love as you turn in and focus on yourself. Lie. We all have a felt need to know the love of God. That's good. But what you're being told is you will experience love if you just take time and focus on you. 
Cut people off. Do your thing. Have a you time. Prioritize you. You at the expense of everybody else. Just put you first. That is Satan's greatest trick to cut you off from the love of God. That is the exact opposite of what Jesus teaches. Jesus doesn't teach you no love as you focus on yourself. He teaches you no love as you get over yourself and love another person. Here's another lie. You will know joy as you when you finally do the next thing. I will know joy once that boy finally dates me. I will know joy once I finally get married. I will know joy once we finally buy the house we've been trying to buy since 2020. Should have bought it earlier. (laughs) That was a 30 year old joke. Um, I will know joy once I finally have the working situation that I want. Listen, let me save you. You will not find joy by doing the next thing. Joy is a product of loving somebody else and knowing the love of God. I um, I preached or prayed all through college. Jesus, I want to preach to crowds. I want to do a big thing. I want to preach at conferences. And he started letting me do it while I was in Bible college. He's let me do it. He answered the prayer. But check this. I preached to a high school conference of, I think, 2,000 kids in, Le- in uh, at, uh, Cleveland, Tennessee when I was 24. And it was like the thing I prayed for. It was the big moment. I walked back to my room that night. I sat down on the bed, and you know what I didn't say? I didn't say, this is what dreams are made of. I didn't say, I made it. I didn't say, I can die in peace. Honest to God, I accidentally said it, but then I heard myself say it and God used it to preach a whole sermon to me. I looked at myself and I said, was that it? This thing I spent four years praying for, this next big thing, I did it. And the only thing my heart knew to say was, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Because the next thing don't satisfy you. The next thing won't give you joy. The only thing that will give you joy is knowing God's love. And how do you know God's love? Get over yourself and love somebody else. There's an old woman, um, older woman. She used to be a part of the church of that pastor. Her name was Myrna. Um, Myrna was the most, most joy-filled person. She was convinced of the love of God. But she lived the most, I guess, her life seemed the most antithetical in my brain to a life of love and joy. Um, Myrna, she's been spending the past 10 years caring for her husband who was in a bad trucking accident and just barely missed being paralyzed from the legs down. So she's been taking care of her husband for the past 10 years. When she's not taking care of her husband, she's volunteering with kids in the foster care system or misbehaved kids, doing homework with them, helping them become productive adults. And when she's not there, she's literally spending her mornings at this building in Joplin praying for people. And that's Myrna's life. Every time I see Myrna, she is convinced to tears of the love of God, and she's the happiest person I know. And I asked Myrna one day, what is wrong with you? And I remember, I mean, in in our church library, she says, Jerron, God has blessed me more in my giving than he's blessed me in my receiving from people. Translation. God has given me a revelation of his love and he's given me joy unspeakable as I've given and poured out to people, not as I've tried to turn in on myself. Because when you love people, you know more of God's love and that overflows in joy. So that's the first directive. That's the directive towards more love and joy. Here's the second directive. Uh, This is a directive towards more purpose, a directive towards more purpose. 
Check what Jesus says in verse uh, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that you that one lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Wait. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus, are you telling me I got to earn your friendship? I don't think that's what Jesus is doing. Here's why. Check verse 16. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. In other words, you didn't initiate. You didn't think of. You didn't start. And you are not sustaining this relationship with me. I chose you. That's one reason why I don't think Jesus telling us we're earning his friendship in verse 14, but also check verse 15. Jesus says, no longer do I call you slaves for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have past tense called you friends because all the things that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Look at this. Jesus says, I've called you a friend because everything I've heard from my father, I've told you. I've befriended you. Because I've shared the secrets of God with you. I've befriended you because I've revealed God to you. Christian, don't take that lightly. This puts you on the plane with one other person in the Bible who was described as this, Moses. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it says that Moses spoke to God face to face as one man speaks to his friend. That means God spoke openly and honestly to Moses. And here's what Jesus says. I've called you friends because everything the father has told me, I've spoken openly and honestly with you. Jerron, why'd you stop here? Because I just wanted to pause for the cause really quick and remind some of you that you know God deeply. Yes, that's a good thing, but I do not want you to think you just figured it out and got smart one day. I don't want you to think you studied yourself to a deep knowledge of God. You should study. I don't want you to think that you just grew up and clicked in it because you grew up in church. No, no. Jesus is saying, if your heart knows anything about God, it's because God opened up your eyes, opened up your heart, befriended you and revealed himself to you. That right there is reason to pause for the cause every now and then and say, thank you. Thank you that I know you. Let's go golden girls. Thank you for being a friend. That was an intrusive thought. <laughs> so so if, if, if obeying the commandments of Jesus isn't a way of earning his friendship, what is this? The, the way Jesus talks about it grammatically, it's not Jesus saying, you, are, you will be my friend if you do what I command. Um, grammatically, it's you are living like my friend if you do what I command. So he's already made you his friend. And doing what he commands is you living like the friend that he made you out to be. He's already made you his friend. Doing what he commands, which is loving people, is you living like the friend he's made you out to be. You loving is doing what Jesus created you to do as his friend. You loving is you living in the purpose that God has given you. Uh, Have you ever seen little kids um, like bark at dogs? You ever seen them do that stupid little thing? They'll, they'll bend down and just look at a dog. Bark, 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 bark. And then the dog will bark back at him. Question. Does that little toddler barking at the dog make the toddler a dog? No. Popular to their own belief. But that dog barking back at the toddler, that's just the dog doing what dogs do. 
You loving somebody isn't being a toddler trying to act like a dog. You loving somebody is you being a dog barking, doing what you were created to do. Flip it again. Um, some of you, you've raised kids and you remember one day your kid finally just started talking. The kid didn't become a human the moment the kid started talking. The kid grew to do what humans do when the kid started talking. This is what Jesus is saying about love. The minute you start loving somebody, that's not you becoming his friend. That's you living and growing to be what he created you to do. Some of you are in a point in life. You're in high school. You're in 20s. You're in your 30s. Some of you are in a midlife crisis right now. And you're asking, what is my purpose? What am I here for? Why am I waking up every day? Here's Jesus's answer. Get over yourself and love somebody. That's why you're alive. Some of you have convinced yourself, maybe I'll have purpose if I just change something. Maybe I'll have purpose if I work for the church. Maybe I'll have purpose when I finally have a family and kids. Maybe I'll have purpose when I finally move off to a new place. Listen, you can have purpose right now. Love the people you're around right now. Love the people you live with right now. And that right there is purpose. Students, listen to me. The number one message you're being preached right now is that you will have a life of fulfillment and purpose when you dig down deeply inside of yourself, figure out what you feel the most deeply at any given moment, and then live that out. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus says you will have purpose and fulfillment, not when you try to figure out what you feel and live like it, but when you get over yourself and love somebody. That is purpose. Um, let me tell you about myself. I'll tell on myself. Um, I've been at the church that I work at uh, since 2016 as an intern. Um, I became the lead pastor of the church in 2022. Somewhere between 2016 and 2022, I hit this point of feeling like I had absolutely no purpose. It was weird being a purposeless pastor because I'd walk around kind of convicted, praying, God, is this all there is to it? There's really got to be something more to this. They made it seem better than this in Bible college. Somebody lied to me. And it was weeks. God, what is going on? And so then I started trying to search for purpose. I went to try to like, I started entertaining other churches um, that would call. Um, one of the churches was what, which I didn't know this term existed, but it's called a giga church in Kentucky. Massive church. They FaceTimed me one day and they said, Jerron, we want you to lead our student ministries and be a part of our preaching team. And I thought that sounds kind of interesting. So my wife and I, we flew out to Louisville um, to visit the church. Y'all, I have never in my life, I don't know if you've seen one of these, but I haven't seen one of these. Never in my life have I seen a church that had an escalator in the lobby on both sides. You ever seen one of those? No, that was the day I learned I had a price. Um, I'm joking. So we visit the church and then we get back home to Joplin. And after about a week, God made it pretty clear. Hey, this nothing against the church, but that's not for you. So here we are back at square one. I don't feel like I have any purpose. But through that time, God slowly and surely started to shift me away from just accomplishing tasks as pastors, as a pastor, and towards building deep relationships with people and pouring myself out in love in those deep relationships. And here just a few weeks ago, I was driving around town and I was just happy. Sun was out and I was thinking, this is the first time in my life at 30 that I like am the most excited about my future. 
Why? Because I've got a small group of friends that my wife and I have been pouring ourselves out to in love, and we are finally happy, excited to get old, fat, and happy with them, loving each other. That is purpose. Purpose is saying, I, I'm fulfilled by loving somebody. So Jesus gives us a directive towards more love and joy, which is loving somebody. Jesus gives us a directive towards purpose, which is loving somebody. It sounds like Jesus's one trick, if you will, his one tip for satisfaction is this love shout love shout it one more time. Love. So then here's the obvious question that Hathaway introduced in 1993. What is love? Don't finish that song. You're in church. I don't know if Hathaway knew that Jesus answered that question in AD 30. Check this. Here's verse 13. He says this greater love has no one than this, that you lay down your life for your friends. Um, On one hand, this is a teaching text, Jesus teaching. But I think the first thing Jesus was doing is he was giving a wink to what he would end up doing. It's verse 13. This is Thursday night. Jesus says, here's the greatest demonstration of love that you lay down your life for your friends. And then it was the very next night that he would be unjustly condemned. It's Thursday night that he says, greater love has no one than this, that you lay down your life for your friends. And it would be the next night that he'd be hung up on a tree. He says on Thursday, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down their life for their friends. And it'd be the next night that he'd end up being buried. Jesus, he's pointing to himself as the ultimate demonstration of love. As a matter of fact, his cousin, his best friend, the apostle John would later write, this is how we know what love is, that Christ laid his life down. Jesus, him laying down his life, it just wasn't, it wasn't just the greatest demonstration of love. Jesus laying his life down was the very definition of love. You want to see love in 4D? You want to see love in HD? You want to see love written in a language you can understand? Look at that man, Jesus, hanging on that cross. That is love embodied. Which that tells me two things. One, that was a historical fact. Paul says God God demonstrates, God points to his love in this, that Christ died for us. What's he saying? He's saying God is constantly saying to you, I love you, I love you, I love you. How? By pointing to the historical fact of that man, Jesus hanging on that tree. You can think what you want to think, but it's fact undisputed that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who lived at the first, who lived in the first century. It's historical fact that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, Nazareth was hung up on a tree under the reign of Pontius Pilate. That's a historical fact. And listen to me. It's a fact that that man said me dying on this tree is the greatest symbol that all of God loves you. I don't care what you feel like right now. In the words of a political commentator, those facts don't care about your feelings. That man died. And that is the sign of the love of God for you. Always. And he says, you want to receive that love. You believe that I did die. Believe that I did get up. Believe that I am reigning and instantly the Holy Spirit will flood the love of God in your hearts. But for those of us who have received love, listen to me, students, those of us who have received love, if Jesus is the definition of love, you know what that tells me? I don't get to decide what love looks like for somebody. 
we're living in a society right now where it's hyper-individualism, hyper-autonomy, which means we all create our own definitions of everything, including love. Have you ever heard somebody walk around and say that? Well, I think love is. To me, love is. Or you've heard it on the other side. If you love me, then you would do this. And all of us have a billion definitions of love. Listen, here's your definition of love. Lay your life down for the good of somebody else. Who defines good? Check this one. God. Lay your life down so that you can see what scripture says is good happen in their life. Oh, you don't live out your own definition of love. You align to the definition of love that Jesus gave you. Now, let me just give you a quick little bit of a pastor. So I know this. You loving somebody, as God says, love them, is not a guarantee that they'll agree with it all the time. You loving somebody, as God says, love them, is not a guarantee that they'll be happy with it. Here's the thing. You're not pleasing them. You're loving them. You're pleasing God. And the goal is to say, I'm going to love you as God says, love you. And I'm going to go to sleep happy because I obeyed my God. This is really quick before we go off and before I send you off in love, I just wanted to take a few more minutes and contemplate love really quick. Uh, Jesus, he himself is love lived out in 3D. He's the very definition of love. I heard an old preacher say he preacherized it, so I stole it. He said, if you ever look up to heaven and ask God how much he loves you, Jesus will extend his arms out like he's on a cross and say, I love you this much. Have you ever taken a moment to just look at that love? Have you ever taken a moment to look at the love that stepped into the world on that silent night? Have you ever taken a moment to look at the love that, that proved itself on Good Friday night? Have you ever taken a look at the love that proved itself to be victorious on Easter morning? One of my favorite songs that we sang up in the church that I was in growing up is this. It says, Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's love. Then they go a little bit further and says, they hung him high. They stretched him wide. He hung his head and then he died. That's love. But you know, black folk don't end there. We had to keep talking. So that course ends, but that's not where the story ends. Cause three days later, he got back up again. That's love. And to that love, there's no love greater, no love higher, no love wider, no love deeper, no love truer. There is no love like the love of God being poured out on you in Jesus Christ. So So what do we do? We receive that love and we follow suit and participate in that love unto fulfillment and to experiencing more of God's love and into joy. The father, we thank you. Thank you for the love that you poured out on us in Jesus. Ask even now that you preach a greater word to our heart. We want to hear your voice saying, I love you. We want to hear your voice saying, look at the cross, look at the cross, look at the cross. I ask you for now that by the Holy Spirit, you pour your love out in our hearts. Not just so that it ends with us, but so that love can flow through us. And in that love flowing through us and in us pouring out love to others, we'll have a greater experience of your love. That greater experience of your love overflows into joy.
it also overflows into a life of purpose. If there's anyone who hasn't received your love, I ask that you touch them, you speak to them, you grip their hearts, you turn the lights on. Overwhelm them with your love that changes all things, your love that controls and compels us. We thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Sent.